and all righty hey everybody you are watching episode 176 of the get to geek on podcast i am always your host trek Ewok. and i am d and we have comic book royalty here with us folks we are talking heavy hitters i'm talking one of the greatest five creators of marvel of all time mr jim yeah. starlin is here with us right now jim thank you so much for your time tonight it has been a pleasure. It, is, it will be a pleasure, I'm sure. <laughs> so for those that live under a rock and don't know, you know Jim's creations, whether you know him or not. You might have seen a little guy uh, by the name of Thanos in Infinity War, maybe a character called Drax or Gamora, or maybe a new trailer that just dropped with a character by the name of Shang-Chi. These are all from the incredible mind of Mr. Sony. He is back in the comic world with his new book, Dreadhawk Returns, which we are very excited to be talking about as well. But Mr. Stalin, we just wanted to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us today on Get Your Geek It's a pleasure. Part of the job, and it's a pleasure. Uh Now, Danny is the biggest Jim Stalin fan here. He actually wrote a paper on Thanos while he was in college. So he is going to be taking the lead on most of this interview here. I have a couple of questions for Jim. But, Danny, I want to get you started with you're in a room with the man right now. I mean, what is this like for you? Uh, So the first thing, my paper was called The Big Purple Man on My Couch. (laughs) Went into thought. My couch, too, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And there we go. I said, yeah, it, it pretty much was the pathology of Thanos and the conversation that he and Adam Warlock had, when Adam Warlock pretty much cussed him out and just told him, dude, why do you always lose? Why? You tell me. Uh, uh, I don't know. I just dropped something. I could figure out. It's like, dude, because of you. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. That's your fault. That is genius. That is awesome. I like when things are explained and people don't just try to say, well, you know, you tell me. No, I didn't write the story. It's your job to tell me. What, what's the deal? You explained it. Like everything he's done, everything he's ever done, ever will do, genius. Gotta love it. And it's just the, the cast of characters you've created, uh, the the in-betweener, the beyonder, dealing with him, like Master Chaos, Master Order, giving form and function to abstract concepts, I find just astounding. I really enjoy it. And my one of my biggest questions is: There's a character you made called Midnight Sun, and Shang Chi, and I also yes. saw him. Uh, I thought he was just Midnight. I didn't know. I don't remember the Sun. Yeah. Uh, well, he handled Norrin Rad pretty well in the '90s. So yeah, he had that hat. <laughs> had the hat, had the discs on his hands and feet, and was just just slapping Silver Surfer around. He's awesome. Oh. Like, your creative mind, like, just all these concepts that flow, like, really? Dude, how on earth? I know back in the- uh, just, just working. Now, basically, it was, uh, you know, it's always the characters in that uh, serve the story. And uh, you get an idea where to, what you want to talk about, and you, uh, you, you create the environment and the characters that will tell that story. And uh, everybody you mentioned uh, had a function in me wanting to express an idea. Uh, when you're talking about uh, the Thanos-Warlock uh, conversation, 
uh, it wasn't so much about explaining the character as examining the whole idea of uh, self, self-deception, uh, self-destruction, uh, setting yourself up to lose, uh, which a lot of people do in life. Uh, we all have done it at some point or another. Know that uh, we probably shouldn't be trying to do what we're going to do, and we do it anyhow, and it blows up in our face, and we go, well, you know, I saw that one coming, but, you know, couldn't stop myself. So it's that's the idea behind everything I write or do, and uh, with the hope that it'll entertain as we go along. Well, I mean, you've given us countless entertainment, Jim, and I, I have two questions kind of based on that note. Number one, what was it like? You've done countless Comic-Cons, but what was it like the moment you first saw somebody cosplaying as one of your characters? To see that moment where it goes from creation in your head to somebody's passion. Uh, it was out here in California. It was a uh, costume contest uh, very early on in the 70s. And uh, this uh, one kid came in as uh, my version of Adam Warlock. And it was a real small con, and there was like only three contestants. Uh, you know, this kid did a really good uh, job of creating it. He was throwing stardust. He was throwing sprinkles. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, you know, there was a kid in a Halloween Batman costume and some other one. And, you know, we, we all three of the judges gave it to the warlock uh, character. And I got booed by the audience because they said I'm because it was warlock. <laughs> uh, so my first reaction was, uh, well, that's cute. And then, oh, God, I'm uh, walked right into this one. And my, my co-guest keeps leaving because we have a cat named Victor Von Doom. I have a Victor Von Doom who is literally named appropriately. He is being very naughty right now, and he is trying to destroy the world. So Yeah, our, the dog is sitting very calmly and uh, relaxed, but the cat is trying to destroy a... Uh, so yeah. she's been squirting it now. I've been seat. squirting him. He's not listening. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the understandable. We're both cat owners ourselves. So then my yeah. follow-up question is obviously as the creator of the Infinity Gauntlet, what is it like to know that your creation is responsible for what was just recently voted two of the top ten movie moments of all time with the Infinity War snap and then Tony snap in Endgame? We'll just talk about the Infinity War one. What was it like to be that part of a populace now where it's something that you created decades ago and now at the time was one of the top grossing movies of all time, but just that moment, the snap is so iconic in all of pop culture now. And you're the creator of that. I mean, what's that moment like? Um, it was stunning, uh, quite frankly, surreal. Um, it's... A the, the moment on the screen is the work of hundreds of people. Uh, you know, I came up with an idea and then hundreds of people worked on it. And we happened to be at the premiere. And uh, at the end, uh, Kevin Feige came up and uh, was talking about it and uh, said, everybody who worked on this in the theater, stand up. And I just watched all these people standing up. And uh, finally, Joe Russo's or somebody up there went, Jim, stand up. You did this too. <laughs> and it, it hadn't occurred to me that I should 
because it, it's it, there's a certain amount of removal from the comic book which you hold and fold up and put in your back of your pocket and what's up there when it's 100 feet high and they've spent millions of dollars on it it seemed totally removed for me and uh surreal and so uh you know it's constantly ever since that uh the movie has come out it's it's been uh, i'm half a bubble off level most of the time um, danny i'll turn the rest of this over to you my friend i know that this is like a, a life if danny had a make-a-wish moment i think it would be to be able to interview jim Sarum. so i will turn this over to you my friend i have a question that's been inspired by stephen colbert it's like because of the infinity gauntlet I mean, that, that is the MCU, that that whole run was created for that one moment. Do you feel like you are one of the best creators in comic book history or the greatest creator in comic book history? I see where the Colbert comes in. Um, where does the Colbert come in? Well, he, he used to ask people if, if uh, George Bush was the best president in history or... Uh, how did it, or he's George, top president? Is George Bush the worst president ever or the most horrible president ever? Yeah, it was something like that. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, uh, so you so got the reversal on that. And, uh, you know, I came, uh, I f followed the footsteps of giants like Kirby and uh, Lee and uh, uh, Frank Rosetta. And uh, there's so many people out there that uh, I would say they did the foundation and I'm just putting another brick in the wall to tell you the truth. You know, it's, That's not it's, pop, sorry, it's pop culture. It's pop culture, you know, uh, 25 years from now, uh, no one will remember uh, Darth Vader and they will say that the new guy in the neighborhood is the new Thanos. Uh, you have to accept the fact that uh, we are living in the moment. Uh, I, I live in the neighborhood where uh, we we're in Hollywood right at the moment. And uh, you go down the, the stairs, <laughs> you go down the s sidewalk, and there's all these stars of uh, names of people. And half of them, we have no idea who they are because they were moments of pop culture and that moves on. And you have to admit to yourself that along the line, the same thing's going to happen with comic books. It just seems really I, cool at the moment. I think that Thanos' snap is this generation's I am your father moment. So I think <laughs> like, it will be remembered long beyond where we are going. But I don't think you give yourself far enough credit for your contributions into the Marvel continuity and just where your status truly is. I believe we have a mutual friend, by the way, uh, Mitchell Halleck, who runs Terrificon in Connecticut, which I believe you have been to several times. Uh, so he we're going so well. to it here uh, next month, or yeah, July. We'll see you, Mitch, in the end of July. Yeah. So he says hello. And okay. We will be there uh, promoting Dreadstar Returns. Mitch is a sweetheart. Yeah, so let's, <laughs> talk, let's talk a little bit about this. Dreadstar Returns, your return into the comic book world after a hand injury a couple of years ago. So tell us a little bit about that, what it was like coming back. Okay, uh, this is where Jamie comes in heavily now at this point. Uh, we've been sort of leaving you out up until this point. Well, I've had to almost kill my cat a couple of times. Yes, <laughs> maybe you'll be 
less cruel to Victor here. Um, about four years ago, I blew a big hole in this hand between the thumb and the forefinger in, in a compressed air accident uh, along through this area. And so for the longest time, I could not draw. Uh, I spent five minutes with a pencil and my hand would cramp up and I'd have to soak it in ice. But during that time, uh, I did a lot of squeezing the balls and doing other exercises that were strengthening in hand. And uh, I didn't realize it, but it was getting better. And uh, when we were working on a book called uh, The Dread Star Omnibus, I was working with a stylus a lot, which is like a pen, but uh, you don't press down on it as hard. And so that was improving the hand. And, but I, like I said, I, I wasn't aware that it was improving that well. And then this lady came along and she wanted a sketch from me of Dr. Doom, <laughs> which I was thoroughly insulted by. She didn't want Thanos, she wanted Dr. Doom. And so I tried to ignore her, but she's not an easy person to ignore. She's very persistent. <laughs> and uh, uh, we had a mutual friend, Spencer Beck, who was my, uh, art, uh, my convention appearance uh, agent. And uh, he introduced us finally. And she kept up at me until finally at one convention at the end of the night, I went to my hotel room and I sat down and said, I'm going to get this gal out of my hair. <laughs> do this drawing of uh, Dr. Doom and that'll be the end of it. It'll be horrible. And it turned out it wasn't bad. And at the end of it, my hand wasn't aching. And so I gave her the drawing and uh, we made a deal that she was going to, she does sculptings also. And she had a sculpting of uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, which she was going to get to me in trade. I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> It's here. It's there. Right. It's just so after that, I did some con sketches, and I thought I'd sell them off at the conventions, and that would be uh, that'd be that, you know. But I could I, my hand wasn't good enough to ink. So uh, Jamie had been working with Keith Giffen up until that point, doing some inking for him, and so I asked her to ink them, and I thought they looked out pretty good. And that led to uh, eventually a couple of posters, which we did. And she inked. Metal Men cover. And a Metal Men cover. And uh, I had been working on the uh, Dress Star Omnibus, and we'd done a Kickstarter, and it did very well. And so uh, it seemed like a natural progression. If I was going to come back and start drawing stuff, I didn't want to work for the major companies anymore. And so I suggested to Jamie that she be my anchor on, uh, on Dreadstar. And this had been, Jamie had been working with Keith on small pieces and uh, have you ever, did you ever ink anything longer in the page? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did some, some lot. Well, did the Gentleman Ghost stuff for DC. I did a few things. Okay, so you had- I worked on American Gods, but not inking so much as the uh, layouts and, and uh, photography and modeling. But yeah, this is my first big, big job, and when you say big job, a hundred pages is a big job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we guys were thankful enough to send us a, an entire copy digitally of the book, and it looks incredible. So great job on the inking there. It, it's Thank truly, you. truly great work. Thank you. Yeah, the really incredible thing is the fact that she got COVID in the middle of the job. Wow. Um, 
twice. You got it. What? How's that? I didn't even know that was possible. Because there was, we didn't know in late January, early February about the, we didn't know about COVID. So at first, I think they had the Asian version, which I was very sick, but then I got walloped, and I'm pretty sure that was the European one, which nearly killed me. I mean, hospitals and, and yeah, it was, it was bad. Like, pretty bad. Yeah, and she still has uh, some problems about it. She's what we call a lot, they call a long hauler. And uh, you still has a help out. I never lost my sense of smell um, until I got the vaccine. Um, I think the vaccine, it kind of, I don't know if it, I didn't, didn't seem to necessarily mess up my smell so much as maybe, or my taste, because I kept screwing up dishes that I've cooked and I was like, don't eat that, it's not good. Or like, and I could love to cook. So I was like, what the hell? And then it started coming back. Uh, so I guess the vaccine maybe, but never lost my smell or taste, but every other thing that symptoms you didn't even hear about yet, I'd have them like a week before they'd announce it. And it's like, I already have it, I already have it. And uh, I was lucky I had an oxygen machine at home. A friend had brought an oxygen machine, um, wouldn't let Kim let anybody in. So people that were bringing soups, Joel Adams would deliver matzo ball soup to me and put it on my doorstep. Or like, I mean, I had people sending toilet paper. I mean, people had, like, they couldn't come in. I couldn't risk getting them sick. So it was, it was a, it was a really tough time. So trying to ink and trying to, like, I was like, I can't die. Jim will kill me if I don't finish this Red Star book. <laughs> yeah, and I was that, like, it's like, I have to finish. <laughs> yeah, she died. I was never going to talk to her again. <laughs> so now, obviously, Dreadstar is with the Ominous Press. You said you didn't want to work for the big companies. And with running the Kickstarter, what is it like to have this kind of sense of creative freedom that you didn't really have with the bigger companies when you have all those restrictions and deadlines and things like that? I, I did have that freedom at the beginning when I started doing Captain Marvel and Warlock uh, and to a certain extent longer down, further down the line. But in recent years, the editors are very, we want everything hammered out into plot synopsis. And if you vary from that, we're going to freak out on you. So I, I don't like working like that. And, uh, but with 100 pages and uh, nobody trying to fight me for the rudder, uh, this has been fun sailing. Uh, I get to toss out things that I don't like. I mm -hmm. uh, can change the story in mid-course. Uh, whatever improves it uh, is allowed, and uh, there's no vested interest or uh, editor who doesn't understand what you're doing trying to interfere. And, uh, you know, I found a terrific collaborator here. Um, aside from inking, she also is very good about... Uh, critical critiques, I mean, uh, um, we, constructive critiques, rather. Yeah, we bounce a lot of ideas off each other and just... Uh, yeah, in fact, uh, she was... Uh, yeah, she, she was a major force on the redesign of Willow in this book. Okay. Uh, uh, Eight million JPEGs on boots <laughs> alone I received from Oh, her. yeah, it was like, I mean, Dreadstar is like, you know, for my time kind of thing, but of course I was familiar with it, but I hadn't read all of them. I'm just like, she's just not gonna work like this. She's just not sexy anymore. What's up with the hair? <laughs> so all of a sudden he's getting pictures of hair hairstyles I like. I'm like, I think she look like this. We need to modernize her. And then he's getting like workout suits or jumpsuits and boots, all the boots, you know, boots. women in their shoes. Uh, boots. Which is funny because that's, I hate shoe shopping more than any other shopping. 
but I'm obsessed with my shoes, my boots especially. Like boots, I love. So that was the easy part. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to want to go through it with her. Uh, I really like the end results of what we ended up with. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I like the new look Willow has. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so on uh, on this, so I didn't want to get too much into spoilers because I'm an anti-spoiler person. Like I, I'll avoid commercials for two years, so I don't. See you didn't watch the Infinity War trailer. He never watched the Infinity War trailer until the movie came out. All right. <gasps> Trailers. I didn't watch any of the commercials. I, I for two years, and this one over here, you just gotta see it. It's so cool, and this two. No, no. So, <laughs> where does the story leave off from the original and? pick up to the return like okay um it was basically over 20 years from the time that i did the last story to now and so i decided that the characters would have gone through that same time period uh it's 20 years after we last saw uh, dreadstar and the gang together and uh those who are familiar with Dreadstar know that he's an anarchist without a second act. He's very good at breaking things, but not very good at living in a society that's functioning. Uh, he had a strange little spell where he was a cop. Didn't work out at all. Uh, so I wanted him to still be part of society, but he finally learns a way to use his con his destructive urges in a very constructive way. <laughs> and so he still is involved with the uh, empire or which we call the Willow Consortium at this point, 20 years later, because Willow, the cybernetic telepath, her digital self runs everything now. That's way back from the old stories. And, uh, you know, Eddie worked himself into law enforcement and the other characters are here and there. And so I wanted that transition, but I also wanted it so newer readers could come in and just come into the story and not have to go through uh, the Dreadstar omnibus before they understood what was going to happen in this story. Oh. And apparently I, we've been able to succeed in doing that. Uh, and so uh, the characters are coming in back and that where they are now. But while I was doing and working on all this, I um, stumbled upon one of the characters that I always thought I had given short shift to in back in the old series. And so I wanted uh, to, re uh, to rectify that situation. And so what starts off as this uh, traditional Dreadstar story of fighting the bad guys then segues off into a cosmic unrequited love story. And I get this character who I'm not going to name because that's a spoiler all into itself, brought this character back and finished off an arc that I should have finished off 25 years, a story arc that I should have finished off 25 years ago. Oh no, because then you wouldn't have just other terms. No, it wouldn't happen. I should have done this, but I didn't. So I'm finally doing it, and this is now it's right. Now, <laughs> well, timing is have, everything. You wouldn't have had a job if I didn't wait 25 exactly. years. 
You just have a Von Doom sketch, and that's it. Yeah, she would have the cat. <laughs> <laughs> the Von Doom. Oh, no, you said the sketch. The sketch. The yeah. cat, yeah, I got him too. But yeah. I tried to give him, I found him in my backyard in Long Beach, and I kept trying to find him a home. And I, the ongoing joke was he's so bad. I was like, he was a kitten, a little tiny little thing. And I was like, you want a cat? You want, do you want a cat? You want a kitten? He's really cute. And everybody's like, no, he hasn't no. gotten any better. You see what she has around all the time. It says Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn based, you know, like, no, it's, 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 it was all my, my ongoing joke. And I was like, yeah. So finally somebody wanted a cat and wanted him. They're like, is he still available? I was like, yeah, he found a home. Mine. <laughs> so with Dreadstar Returns coming back in this awesome new trade paperback format, I mean, what are you guys most excited for fans? Uh, I mean, with Dreadstar being an older title, are you hoping to get the old fans back into it, bring some new fans into it, a mix of both? I mean, what are your thoughts on bringing back a series that had been oh. gone for so long? But it's a hardback. Uh, yeah, it is a hardback. We're trying for both. I mean, the, <laughs> the folks who had read Dreadstar are going to be their natural audience. Uh, the folks who have heard that I created Thanos were hoping will become new readers. Uh, hoping word of mouth and interviews like this will get folks to check it out. Right now, it's not in the comic book shops. It will be. Uh, I'm not sure how that is going to work out there. They're working that out right now. It's available uh, online through ominouspress.com. Uh, you can go and uh, buy a copy of it that way, along with the guidebook, which they, they put together. Um, will you be selling um, the actual copies at Terrificon? Uh, hopefully we'll have them available there. Yes, I'm sure we awesome. will. And uh, uh, they may be in the comic book shops by that point. By that point, also. Well, we we should be at that con. So whether they're in the comic book shops or not, I know I personally want to pick up two: one for myself and one to have as a giveaway on the show, because we want to get as many people as possible. Just just have them dive right into it. Well, we will bring along a truckload of them then. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, we know Jim's time is precious, so I want to start to wrap up. Do you have any questions for him? Oh, well, I wanted to ask the, the your collaborator, like, who is her favorite character and who did you have the most influence on as far as the, the newer book? Well, as far as my biggest influence, I'd definitely say Willow. I mean, like, I just, she had to change. I'm sorry. Uh, that look was just dated. But um, my favorite character is actually Eddie. Um, I just think he's just, he's, his, his little attitude, but his, he's kind of militant, but at the same time, he's got probably the most patience of me, right? And he's got a cute cat head. I mean, how do you get cuter than Eddie? <laughs> so. From this angle, I can see two cats from here. So Eddie being her favorite is not a big surprise. <laughs> it was almost Victor's name, but Victor Von Doom was more yeah. fitting. <laughs> But now, no, Willow was the one I had the most uh, influence, I think. But yeah, yeah. but I love all the characters. Two Tone, Two Tone is the comic relief of this book, and he is—he's really funny. So like I'm looking him. forward to reading more into his character. But I mean, I just want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to do this with us. I don't think you give yourself enough credit for where you are in in the pop culture, you know, referendum of comic greats. Uh, I do look forward to meeting you in person at Terrificon. And Danny, anything that you'd like to end off with? Uh, when I do meet you, I'm going to ask for a Dr. Doom sketch and, and 
autograph for my brother. And I'm going to ignore you for three months. <laughs> That's, hey, it's the price to do a business. I'm okay with that. <laughs> you won't be the last. <laughs> huge Thanos fan, so I'm definitely going to have something with me for you to sign to bring to him. And yeah. he's not going to watch this. He ain't going to know. I'm just going to surprise him with it. You know, that's how, I, that's how we do around here. <laughs> we'll see you guys at Terpicon for sure. And if you're friends with Mitch, I know he'll probably walk you right on over. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So we will let you guys get out of here. We just want to thank everybody watching at home and get to GeekCon. Check out the links below for Ominous Press. Get your copy of Dreadstar Returns ASAP. See Jim at Terrificon next month. Just the fact that we're going to be back at cons is amazing enough. But this man, I cannot say enough, is comic book royalty. And as Thanos said himself, I think this interview was inevitable. So with that, we will snap out. And thank you guys always <laughs> remember to watch Mr. Geekon on MyTV38, GeekCon.com, or the Facebook page. Mr. Stalin, thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you guys. You guys have a good night. You too. See you in a month and a half, two months. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So nice. <laughs> Thank you guys. All right, take care. And now for sushi. <laughs>